Hey there, Lions. Did you know that you can get access to exclusive bonus audio content by joining our paid support group, the Lions of Liberty Pride? For as little as $5 a month, you can help us grow this program to new heights. Learn more by heading over to lionsofliberty.com slash support. You know, if there's one purpose of art, I think it's that you can kind of take another look at, at events and maybe reframe them with fiction. Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare. Welcome back, my Liberty lovebirds. It's time once again for another great conversation about the ideas of liberty here on the 293rd episode of this program. Why is that important, you might ask? Well, it's important because it'll help you find the show notes for today's show, which are located at lionsofliberty.com slash 293. That's where I'll link to all sorts of stuff that I discuss with my guest today. Let's get to it. My guest today is an artist and graphic designer. He is the co-creator and the artist on the graphic novel Indoctrination, which touches on some libertarian themes. Uh, He also applies his craft at past guest Matt Kibbe's organization, Free the People. And if that wasn't enough, he is the director of multimedia and design at Task and Purpose, a news and culture site geared towards the next generation of U.S. veterans. I'm thrilled to welcome in Matt Battaglia. Matt, are you ready to roar? Of course. All the time. All right, man. A lot of your work, a lot of your graphic design work and artistry, it does in many ways relate to your political beliefs. So that's where I want to start. How did you first take interest in the ideas of liberty? Well, I got into it, what was it, two presidential cycles ago? And when I had gotten out of out of college and I was looking for, I, had, I was working in the e-commerce site and I was looking to kind of make that next lateral move. And I was looking at all the uh, Republican presidential campaigns sort of design work and realized, oh, I sh- that's an easy gig. Like, no, no, obviously no one with an art background is, is getting into that. <laughs> and I ended up at FreedomWorks um, from, you know, applied to a few like design jobs in DC, started working at FreedomWorks for Kibbe. And then, um, I, you know, I was always vaguely conservative because my dad is and I, I hate paying taxes. But but I didn't I, I wouldn't say I had any grounding. And then working for Kibbe for uh, a number of years now um, has has made me to the point where I'll drop the L word sometimes. He's really up up to the indoctrination, so to speak. You yes, say. yes. You could you could add the plug in like that. Yeah. <laughs> I read a quarter of Atlas Shrugged and then got bored. Um, it's so funny you say that because I, I, you know, I always ask my guests how they became interested in the ideas of liberty, and so many people mention Ayn Rand and Atlas Shrugged. And, uh, it's a garbage lo- book. Oh well, that's the thing. It's like it's like an, it's a, a bunch of amazing ideas in the book in a book that is twenty times too long. You know, like yeah, like she has got amazing ideas and terrible writing. By page forty, it's like okay, and I get, I, I get it. I, I get it. I. I don't need to read any more of this. This is, this is just, uh, you made your point. Let's move on. Kibby has the story about how uh, he found a Rush, a Rush album, 2112, and that had the, you know, inside it had a note tan rand in it. And then he got down the sort of rabbit hole of, of libertarian ideology and all that stuff. And then um, and my shortened version of it as well, I started working for Kibby and Kibby was is sort of my like living, breathing 
I guess, Ayn Rand thing. <laughs> right, you're like, I-, I don't need to read all this stuff, Matt. How about I just kind of soak off off your knowledge here? <laughs> well, I'll just, we'll just talk. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's a lot easier than reading this thousand-page tome, but thank you. Yeah. So how did your interest in comics, obviously you probably had been interested in comics for quite some time before. I'm sure that was part of why you got into graphic design and that kind of thing in the first place. So when did that begin for you? Some kids read books with words in them. Other kids like myself, read books with mostly pictures and then a few words. Um, and uh, so I always liked the visual medium. I've always been a, um, I've always been drawing as cliche as that is, but, but I've always been, in, you know, interested in it. I mean, there is some like, you know, some number of my members of my family are um, not professionally artists, but they all do artistic stuff. You know, I've always been interested in comics and never thought I'd actually be able to scam someone into paying me for it. I just kind of kept drawing on the side. I, I did my first, my first comics work was on this book called Dead Letters for Boom. I colored that book and then that sort of kind of snowballed. I met some people, um, Mike, the guy who wrote Indoctrination, we met at New York Comic Con a few years ago. And then I colored his image comic Rush Limit for him. And then we started getting to talking about other projects we wanted to do. And then indoctrination came out of that. So, you know, it's kind of surprising in the sense that, like, um, you know, as a kid, I never assumed that that was legitimate. I wouldn't call it a career, but even a legitimate thing to even think I could ever get a job in. Right. You know. And, and, and there's so many people, I mean, people that might be listening to the show that they hear the term comic book and they immediately picture just big, muscly guys in spandex. You know, that that's that's they're the right. exact same thing to them. But really, the format is it's well, it's just that it's simply a format. It's a format with pictures and a book. It's really and that's how you tell the story. And, and really, you know, the book indoctrination could not be further away from from the superhero format. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. I'm curious, what, what, kind of, what kind of comics influenced you as a kid? Were you always into the sort of non superhero stuff or did you start with that like most of us did and then kind of move move out from there i I started with the transformers comics so those aren't you know those are robots not superheroes and then quickly quickly started reading um you know again i I had seen like my my parents have good taste in movies which meant i saw a lot of movies probably younger than i should have seen them (laughs) but you know i had robocop comics as well which also were you know if you look at back at those those are a little adult i like some superhero stuff um, you know, I, I read all the, cl- like the Frank Miller stuff I always loved, like, um, and, uh, the Punisher is the only superhero I really consistently read, um, who's not really a superhero. He just shoots bad people. But, but I, you know, I, I'd say that my biggest influences really were, you know, F- Frank Miller, Joe Kubert, because the Joe Kubert school was right, you know, the town next to, uh, where I grew up. And, and if you're familiar with comics at all, I think J- Joe Kubert's, you know, a lion of the industry. Um, and, uh, you know, I went to his, his school on Saturdays, learned a ton there. You end up picking up different things. My one unpopular opinion is I think that Watchmen's not a great book. Ooh, that is an unpopular yeah. one. Yeah. Now, now, if you're if you're listening right now and you're not a comic book nerd, uh, what Matt said is basically the equivalent of saying, "Well, I don't really think Ron Paul's all that great a libertarian." Basically, the, yeah. the same thing in the comic book, <laughs> the comic book world. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's too wordy. It's not. <laughs> It's too wordy of a book. He he doesn't let uh, Dave Gibbons just do all the work. I, I always loved Watchmen, but it's it's well, it's kind of like 
Ayn Rand in, in a way. I mean, you have to, you got to be in the mood to read, to really read. And, 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 and yeah. read, there's going to be pictures, but you're going to be doing a lot of reading too. And if you're in in the mood or in that frame of mind, then you might enjoy Alan Moore's work. I, I really do like a lot of his work. I really enjoy his Swamp Thing work myself, but but I, I have to be in the right mood to sit down and read an Alan Moore book because I got to be ready to really kind of use my brain. He's going to make me read big words. He's going to make me think deeply about multiple paragraphs yes. of dialogue. So you, you certainly kind of be got to be in the right frame of mind for that kind of thing. I, I will agree with you on his Swamp Thing being better than Watchmen. Right. Um, uh, I, you know, I, I worked at Comixology for a bit, and and when I was there, uh, I was um, <clears throat> that my unpopular opinion about Watchmen was was a real point of contention with some of my coworkers, and they uh, they they made me read. They they said you need to read the Swamp Thing book and I, I read it and it was much better it was very, I, I liked it um but also like scalped is like there's a ton of books today that are just they're they're comics it's a visual format but they're not superheroes scalped is about like an indian reservation and a crime family on that indian reservation it is brilliant um but you know it's totally not a superhero comic how did uh, how did this idea for indoctrination? I know you said you had met um, your co-creator Michael Morecci, I believe it's pronounced. I'm not sure yep. how his last name is pronounced, but uh, you met him at a convention and kind of hit it off. So how did the specific idea for indoctrination develop? Was it at all related to some of the political ideas that you were developing at the time? So Mike and I, um, you know, we we're, we we constantly are talking. We're we're good buddies at this point. And it's, um, we'd shoot, you know, articles back and forth. And one of them was that Atlantic article from a while back about the right, you know, what, what is ISIS? And, uh, and we were both kind of, you know, Mike's more of a, uh, you know what, I'm going to be generous to him, you know, his online persona, he, he tends to like not act like this, but Mike's like a classic liberal, you know, he, he's not like this new progressive type. Right. So we have a lot of really interesting conversations because we both come from kind of different ends of the spectrum. But, you know, one of the things that we, we, we found that we constantly kind of agreed upon was this, how frightening it is, this, this whole like idea of like, you've got this organization that, that has no, no home that can basically, you know, pop up and cause terror anywhere. But then how do you actually police or or counteract them without completely breaking down your own society's freedoms. Right. I mean, it, it's just sort of the constant problem that we have in the States and with, you know, all the uh, NSA, you know, wiretapping and things like that. And they're reading your emails. Um, what are you willing to give up to be safe? And that's one of the things that we kind of, we wanted to tackle with indoctrination was get at the sort of the fears around like events like San Bernardino, which had recently happened when we were working on the book and, uh, you know, try and explore them because we hadn't seen this in a comic yet. So uh, we wanted to, get to to give it a shot. That's interesting that the San Bernardino incident occurred kind of while you were crafting this, because uh, up until that, I mean, there weren't that many instances of, of kind of a homeland Islamic type terror that we've actually seen within the United States um, right. prior to that. So th it's kind of what, you, what you're talking about in the comic actually came about in, in real life as you're working on it. That's really fascinating. I, I, I think Pulse happened. The, the Pulse nightclub shooting happened while we were working on it. I know that the, the it, you know, Kibby wrote a really nice piece for the first issue. And that was in response to the, um, the attacks in France with the Eagles death metal concert and all that. Um, 
so it was, you know, real life real life events kept happening that were like, yeah, this is a real problem. This will be relevant for a while, which, you know, um, isn't great, but, you know, it's something that's worth, you know, if there's one purpose of art, I think it's that you can kind of take another look at, at, at events and maybe reframe them with fiction. And, and we tried not to be overtly political because we both find that obnoxious in, 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 in entertainment when people do that. We've touched on some of the, the themes here in indoctrination, but for people that might, you know, might think they might be interested in checking it out, why don't you just give everyone just a, a quick, very basic plot summary? Uh, it's a crime comic focused around um, a couple of like FBI agents as they track down a uh, terrorist on the on the run in the U.S. Um, and he's got converts working for him, and they have a showdown in Texas. That was quite a very succinct summary. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's yep. That's how I would pitch it. And and a lot of the focus is really on uh, you know the idea obviously as you put in the title indoctrination but how kind of how people are able to be influenced to do things that people wouldn't normally do crazy things like you know open up fire on a crowd of people uh, in in the, in the middle of and the Alamo for, for example yeah. um, so I mean what what kind of research did you do into um, like sort of how cults work and and how people tend to become indoctrinated to to commit extreme acts did you do any kind of kind of looking into that on on your end before doing this book or while you were doing this book we read a bunch of the articles that were floating around. Um, I don't know how much Mike, how much research Mike did. I mean, mostly I was involved as far as the creation goes was um, sort of, we we would discuss where we kind of wanted the story to go and what themes we wanted to hit on. And then Mike would cut, would write, write the actual, the details of it. And then as far as research with the art goes, you know, I tried to do, make it as realistic as I could, but uh, at, while working within deadlines and also working um, two other jobs, so <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you, man. I try, I try to pump this po- podcast out while doing a bunch of other stuff in the real world. So now that it's been done for for a few months, the the first volume's been done. I, I think it came out in December. You, you look back on anything that any art art that you do and you always are like oh, i wish i could do that differently i you know there was a point where i was like ah, maybe i'll just redraw the whole thing and then it's like <laughs> no that you, you don't have the time for that it's ridiculous <laughs> I, I think we all do this because sometimes i'll listen to interviews that i've done and, and i'll think oh i should have asked this then i should have asked that then wait should i just should i just call him and record the whole thing again i mean this is what i think this is what any kind of creator goes through all the time because we're always thinking about what we can do better how we can present a better product to people you know what we're focusing on on that one percent, we might be able to do better, and forgetting the often forgetting that ninety nine percent of of quality stuff that people like and come back to. Right, and the other thing too is it's like eventually you just got to move on. You got to go to the next thing. <laughs> you can't you can't dwell on the past all the time. It was an interesting learning process for me. It was the first comic that I've drawn that full length published work that I've done, and I mean I did like it was like something around like two hundred pages, which is. I'd never done that before, you know, and I did all the, I did all the, all the illustration, including all the coloring and I designed the book. So it was like, it was an impressive amount of work, you know? And so I'm kind of looking to do another story, but trying to figure out how to do that within, you know, schedules and stuff. I'm curious as an artist, how much are you thinking about your, your artistic style within that, this specific book. I mean, if that makes sense, how much are you trying to relate the, the feel of your art to the themes that the book itself is trying to portray? 
I, I think about that a lot. That's that's I usually I do I I because at least to I, me I, the I, art and indoctrination it feels like if if I was going to try to describe it to someone who's who's maybe not a comics fan per se I I would call it you know. Uh, sort of a, a, a gritty realism. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I don't know if that's a real term, but that, yeah, that's kind of what what makes sense dramatic. to me. That's how I would describe <laughs> it to somebody. It feels kind of dirty, and I don't mean that in a bad way, yeah. but it yeah. feels real and as nasty as some of the characters get. If that makes sense, <laughs> I I think that's a that's a really flattering uh, description. Okay, good. <laughs> Most of the the mood I think I, I got out of out of colors. Uh, you know, the color palettes I was choosing. And and as far as like style goes, you know, uh, a lot of it ended up being down to like deadlines. Uh, you know, uh, I, you're trying to figure out how you can draw something and get 20, you know, 28 pages out in a month. You know, you try and kind of come up with an efficient way of uh, of, of doing the artwork. And, and the other thing too is I, I this was in an effort to be faster. I did the first issue. I think the first like 10 pages I drew traditionally. And then I was working a hundred percent digitally, which was new to me, um, which maybe wasn't the best idea, but, uh, you know, there was also, I was going through this huge, this learning process. And I think by the time I got to the last uh, issue, I had, I had finally really figured out, okay, this is how I work digitally. My style, I think was evolving throughout the whole thing. And I'd say that the pages and artwork that I'm putting out now was, better than what I was putting out then. But, you know, so everything's a learning and growing process. I mean, you look at, you know, any any artist, what they start at and what they're at 10 years into their career, it's completely different. Matt, we're going to talk a little bit more just how the medium of graphic novels intersects with the ideas of liberty in just a minute. But first, quick word from today's sponsors. Hey, guys, this is Roger Paxton. And if you're fed up with the government running every single aspect of your life, but you're not listening to the Lava Flow podcast yet, then what's wrong with you? Check us out at thelavaflow.com or just go back to sucking up to the government. The Lava Flow podcast, striking the root every single episode. This is Chris Spangle, and I am the host of We Are Libertarians, which you can find in iTunes, Google Play, or at wearelibertarians.com. We are a podcast that brings you all of the irreverence that modern politics deserves by examining current events from a libertarian perspective. So please, check us out at wearelibertarians.com. Hey everyone, the Johnny Rocket Launchpad is Liberty. Each week we strive to bring you the best guests in talk radio. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad delivers weekly interviews of noteworthy politicians, experts, and activists. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad is bringing the party to the Libertarian Party and launching ideas in your direction. Check us out at johnnyrocketlaunchpad.com and you can hear me, Kurt Nelson, and the beautiful Heather Nixon talk about the ideas of liberty. Rock and roll. I want to talk a little bit more about the uh, the intersection between comic books and libertarianism. Uh, I know you've done an interview with my friend Remzo Martinez, uh, our mutual friend Johnny Adams, also a big comic nerd. There's uh, Roger Paxson, host of the Lava Flow podcast, uh, yourself. There's a lot of liberty people that are really into comic books now maybe that's just because people that are libertarian are more likely to be kind of nerdy more likely to have read a lot of books and maybe those people are more likely to read comic books too but do you think that there's any you know maybe political reason or philosophical reason that the same kind of people that might be attracted to libertarianism are often and not not that obviously every comic book fan is by no means a libertarian but there does seem to be some very minor connection at least that i see in my own life so what do you think there's a reason for that crossover yeah i do 
actually, and you know, quick funny aside is that um, this other guy he draws the book. Um, it's called Carver. Chris Hunt. Uh, we met at New York uh, last year, and we were talking. He was like, "You're the other one," and uh, and I said, "What do you mean?" His, and he you know pulls his shirt open a little bit, and he's got the like that money um, atlas shrugged tattoo. You know what that? You know what I mean? You know the yeah, symbol yeah. that I'm talking about? Uh-huh. And I was like, oh. Oh, so we're like, we're like, it's like a club. And, you know, he was talking about uh, Paul Pope, who's another uh, pretty famous comic book artist, who's also a hardcore libertarian. I, I think the thing is, is that there's a lot of themes, especially in older comics, uh, that are very liberty focused. I mean, you've got the guy who created Spider-Man, and I'm not talking about Stan Lee, I'm talking about Steve Ditko, was an objectivist. I mean, he he made the question, which was an ob- objectivist superhero, right? You know, I think there were there's a lot of aspects of, you know, the X Men always gets lost that they're sort of against this sort of government regulation. Like, uh, you know, there's a lot of liberty themes in these books that that tend to tend to get lost today because. You know, that's not the the hip thing to talk about. Sure, and the um, X-Men, they live in a privately funded uh, homeschool. Right. <laughs> They're mm-hmm. persecuted by the government because they have yeah. different genetics. There's a lot of relations they, there. They, they, wanna, they just want to register them all and uh, have, have bookkeeping. So it's like, uh, yeah, I think that there's a lot of – there's a lot of interesting stuff there. Who is the most libertarian superhero then? Would you say it's like the X-Men or or a Spider-Man? I mean, or, or, or how, how do you view somebody oh. like, say, a Batman through a libertarian lens? Well, you should read the um, the Paul Pope uh, Elseworlds Batman story where he saves uh, Mises from, from Nazis. That's um, probably the most libertarian moment in a comic book. I've never read this book. Ludwig von Mises yeah. is in this book? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I highly recommend it. It's it's called Batman Year One Hundred. It's uh, it's you know, if you buy the trade, the, the Year One Hundred isn't the story where he saves Mises, but the issue where he saves Mises is collected in that trade, gotcha. and it's all Paul Pope. It's it's a hundred percent worth the investment. Um, the Batman Year One Hundred story is Batman basically being hunted by the government because they thought they got rid of heroes or whatever. It's it's great and totally worth reading and paul pope has a big spiel about how you know he discovered the works of mises and it changed his life so it, it's good <laughs> it's the perfect libertarian comic book i'm curious you know a lot of people out there are, are fans of this program they love liberty they might not be as much into the nerdy comic book talk but we're going to bombard them with it anyway but i, I want to know what what comic book would you recommend to maybe to even to listeners of the show who aren't into comic books right now for whatever reason mm-hmm. they never got into it as a kid. Uh, but besides indoctrination, of course, which is the number one right. book we're going to recommend people Absolutely. go get right now. Uh, besides that, what would you recommend that people that maybe they finally heard myself, you, Ramzo Martinez, Johnny Adams, they've heard, they've heard enough of us talk openly about, about our love for this format that maybe they're finally willing to give it a shot. What's one book you would recommend? I don't think we want to recommend superhero books. I hate recommending them, actually, unless if you're you're into that sort of thing. Uh, Deadly Class is really good. Um, that's the sort of the first thing that 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 pops into my mind. But anything that's by Phillips and Brubaker, uh, they do this book Criminal, which is uh, they did a book called Fatal, Fade Out. All their books are excellent. Um, so yeah, one of those two. Um, I, because they're different, they're not superhero comics at all. Uh, they're both crime books. I, I I happen to like crime comics. But the thing to remember is it's it's a medium. It's not 
there's not one set story that can be told in that this medium. I mean, it's like the, I think the problem that comics have is because of the way that they're sold, which is through comic shops, usually until they get collected. Um, they get the stigma that they're either for kids or for weirdos and nerds, but there's the same variety in comics as there is in any other medium. So, you know, there's no, there's no reason not to try them and you can read them a lot faster than word books. So there's that. The brew breaker of the Phillips and brew breaker you mentioned, he actually did do a pretty, pretty well, uh, well received run on Captain America, the, the run that introduced the Winter Soldier. So if you yeah. do like his non superhero work, you might even consider some of his, uh, some of his superhero work because obviously the Winter Soldier went on to become a, a very libertarian movie as well. Um, probably the most libertarian Marvel movie that they put out. Yeah. Yeah. His run, I know, I, I read some of it. I, like I said, I don't really read it ton of superhero comics because i have a hard time with continuity oh uh, well yeah i, I mean, find it gets uh <laughs> if you're looking for for continuity and, and consistency in superheroes you're, you're looking in the wrong place it gets kind of confusing real quick i know you mentioned wanting to get do more you know long foreign comic book work in the future and you did call that indoctrination volume one so is there a volume two is there more indoctrination coming for us because it was left uh there's a decisive conclusion to this particular story arc but it's definitely left open for more we'll see (laughs) (laughs) it depends uh on a lot of factors one of them being publishing uh naturally um you know so we'll see i mean one of the things that uh you know, we've been kicking around at Free the People is doing um, about some of these sort of liberty guys like Bostriot, if you didn't know, had some really interesting history. We might adapt into a more action comic format. I personally might do a little short um, adaptation of Atlantic City, the uh, Bruce Springsteen song, into a little uh, zine. But, I, you know, the problem with comics is they do take a ton of time to produce. Unless it's your full time gig, it's it's hard to devote uh, devote that much time to it. Yeah, and and it's it's one of those things where I'm, we're trying to figure out sort of well what what works and what we want to what a, what we want to do next. I mean, Mike and I we're both a little bit busy right now, but we might do a sci fi book next. Um, at, at but we'll see. <laughs> it's like you know we'll see what 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 ends up lining itself up. But I, I do a lot of I've been trying to get better at doing a uh, a daily drawing. Those are up on my Instagram that I've been doing it. So I put one up a day and uh, usually, you know, a little bit of like fan characters, you know, like fan art crap because people seem to like that on the Internet. And then sometimes I'll do some more creative stuff. But, um, you know, we'll see what happens. Very cool. Which is a totally open-ended answer, but it, know, it is. But it's the honest one. So, <laughs> I, I mean, and look, if I'm talking to libertarians, they should understand that the market, you know, informs all things and uh and that's just what i'm waiting on <laughs> yeah so uh, so if you go and you read indoctrination go go to comiXology or go to a comic store and just click that buy button so that'll yep. that'll tell pick Matt, it up yes you guys got to go do more of this <laughs> send us a market uh, a, a market signal that that it's wanted and we'll go. do it <laughs> and, and i have read this series if even if you're not into the comic book format or you think you're not i, I really recommend giving this a try because you might be surprised you might be surprised that comic books are even 
more than what you thought. If you just always associate him with the, the Spider-Mans, the Supermans, this could not be more different. The only similarity is pictures on pages. I mean, really, that, that really yeah. is it. Uh, Matt, before I let you go, I also want to let you plug a, a little bit of the work you're doing over at, at Task and Purpose. So why don't you tell us about that organization and, and how you got involved with it? So Task and Purpose, they're a media site specifically for veterans and um I do some video editing for them and I've been doing, I do some illustration. I've done a few comics that are on the site as well. You know, I do a lot. I've been doing a lot more like editorial illustration, which is a lot of fun. Actually. Um, I did, did one for a piece uh, about the Marines United scandal that's going on. I don't know if you've, if you've seen that, but uh, that I did a piece for that, which I thought was pretty, I was pretty pleased with it. Is that the one with the, the leaks, the, like the, the leaks of the pictures or is that something else? Yep. Yep. All right. Well, I know all about leaks. I see those everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So not that I seek them out, you sickos. I'm just saying they're in the news <laughs> a lot. <laughs> they're everywhere. So I do a lot of illustration there and, and uh, some video editing as well. So, um, you know, yeah, you can check it out. Uh, and I do have some comics up as well there that would. So those are also worth worth looking at, I think. Um, and you can look at my site has it all has links to everything that I've done too. It's matchabat.com. Awesome stuff. Well, I, again, I do want to highly recommend checking out indoctrination, whether or not you're into comic books or think you're into comic books, you might have a different attitude if you check this one out. So Matt, I appreciate you coming on and keep up all the great work. Thanks for having me. It's been a blast, Matt. All right, lions. I hope you enjoyed my conversation today with Matt Battaglia. I sure as heck did. And if you're not a comic book nerd like I am, like Matt is, and this interview might have inspired you to at least give the medium a chance, well, I'm going to link to some stuff at the show notes, some of the stuff that Matt mentioned today and some other stuff that I think you might enjoy because, believe it or not, it's not all capes and superheroes. There's actually some really compelling, just realistic stories that that exist in this medium, and I'd like to use today to sort of expose some people to that, and uh, hopefully to the ideas of liberty as well for people that kind of stumble upon these works uh, through their interest in comic books and, and might get more interested in the ideas of liberty. Might Google indoctrination, find this interview. So you really never know how people can get involved in this conversation, which, is, of course, is our goal here at Lions of Liberty, to keep advancing this conversation, to keep this thing going, to keep roaring about liberty. And we certainly continue to do that with the help of our friends and fans, our members of the Lions of Liberty Pride, our paid support group. Of course, if you join that by going over to lionsofliberty.com slash support, you'll get access to all sorts of exclusive bonus content, the most recent of which was my reaction to my own interview with Sam Cedar, which certainly got a lot of criticism, a lot of praise. Everything pretty much in between, especially if you go on YouTube. That's where, for some reason, you find the craziest, most um, most hyped-up comments on YouTube in both directions. I don't know why that is, but, boy, sometimes I just want to avoid the YouTube comment section, but I can't because I need to see what people are saying. I just have to. I'm obsessed. I got a problem. I got issues, but it's okay. I like criticism. I want criticism. You can give me criticism in many ways. You can do it by joining our private Facebook group, the Lions of Liberty Forum. Just type that in your search bar over on Facebook. We'll get you right in. So long as you look like a real human being, we do try to keep the spam bots out. And if for some reason you can't get in, I did have one guy that I guess we blocked because uh, he had no friends, and sometimes that is kind of a red flag, but he reached out, emailed me uh, through our website, through facebook.com slash lionsofliberty, our Facebook page. You can also email me directly, mark, M-A-R-C, at lionsofliberty.com. So if you do have problems getting in, feel free to reach out to me, and, and we'll get it all sorted out. I do want to also give a shout-out to some new members of the Lions of Liberty Pride that have joined up in the last few weeks. We've got Ashley Inge Bridston, and I'm sorry if I mispronounced this or any name incorrectly. That's a little bit of a toughie. We also got Eric Anderson who joined up 
Shane Whistler, past guest on this program. He's got a couple interviews he's done on this show. Really interesting guy. He's put out a lot of books, including a, a book called Reason and Liberty, which I think does one of the, the best breakdowns of getting to the philosophy of individual rights and sort of applying that to our, our world today. Uh, it's very deep on the, on the metaphysical level. I want to really uh, highly recommend that book. I'll link to that in today's show notes as well. And we also got Paul Pachola. Now, if any of you guys have not gotten into our private, our secret Facebook group, that's a Facebook group that's only for Lions of Liberty Pride members. If you haven't gotten in there yet and you're, you've heard your name just now, uh, I think a couple of you I have gotten in there, a couple of you I haven't. So again, feel free to reach out if you're on Facebook, Mark M-A-R-C at lionsofliberty.com, and we'll get you all sorted out, get you in that Facebook group. I really appreciate you guys' support. That lets us grow the show, expand what we're doing, which we're really hoping to do in the next year here at Lions of Liberty, starting with providing more content for our paid Pride members. And I'm not going to answer any letters of liberty today, but again, you can submit letters that we will read on the show and discuss We did a bunch of those last week when we did Libertarians in Living Rooms Drinking Liquor. You can submit those by, again, joining our private Facebook group, the Lions of Liberty Forum. You can also tweet to us at Lions of Liberty. Again, email me, Mark, M-A-R-C at LionsofLiberty.com. We'll get around to answering those one of these days. But today, I want to take a little extra time to promote something that a listener of this program, Clint Rankin, has put together. Now, if you guys heard my interview with Gret Glyer a few weeks ago, that's uh, episode number 289. So, of course, you can find that by heading over to LionsofLiberty.com slash 289. I interviewed a guy named Gret Glyer who started this app called DonorSea. It's really an amazing app that connects people directly to people in need around the world to fund specific projects. Really amazing. If you somehow missed that interview, again, head over to lionsofliberty.com slash 289. Since then, I've been talking with Gret and a couple other podcasters, uh, Johnny Adams from the Johnny Rocket Launchpad, Roger Paxton. I know they're trying to get Jason Stapleton's group a little involved in this as well, as well as Chris Spangle and the folks at We Are Libertarians. We're all coming together to try to sort of rally the liberty community to focus on uh, at least like one specific project a month, maybe once a week once we get going. We're going to kind of try to feel that out as we go. But uh, this week, we are promoting a specific project with DonorSea. Now, before I tell you about that project, I want you to go search for a couple things. If you're on Facebook, go search Walk the Walk. That is the name of, of the Facebook group that we've set up to sort of coordinate these charitable projects. And uh, then uh, you can also, if you're not on Facebook, or even if you are, go to walkthewalkforfreedom.com. That's the website that Clint has set up to support this program. Now, as far as the project we're looking to fund this week, I want to tell you about a woman named Esther. Esther lives in Kenya. Sadly, Esther is HIV positive, uh, but she's a, a very young woman, and she is able to say relatively healthy so long as she is able to get her drugs uh, to support her medicine. Now, uh, we could just try to fund a project to fund fund her medication every month, but that would be tough to really sustain over a long time and keep her alive. So instead, what, what they're looking to do, and this is really great, this really has a libertarian tie-in, is not only are they trying to set it up so that we can cover the cost of her HIV drugs, with which only come to about $75 per month uh, in the United States dollars, so about $900 per year. They're looking to cover that, but also also, they're looking to cover uh, about $600 or 6000 Kenyan uh, per month to give her a part-time salary to maintain a chicken farm, which would really allow her to live a normal life on top of receiving her medication, provide for her children, uh, per- and help provide a home for some other orphans as well uh, through her employment. So really, th- there's a lot going on here. Uh, it's, it helps this woman live a life, be employed stay alive and, and, and provide for her children. So it really is a great situation and it's more than a handout because she's going to have a job. She's going to be productive and I think it's, it's really a wonderful thing. There's so many great aspects of this and that's why Clint picked out this specific 
uh, specific project to fund this month. So that's what we're going to try to focus on. I'm going to link to Esther's specific story again at today's show notes at lionsofliberty.com slash 293. You can also download the Donor C app. If you haven't yet, just go to your app store on your phone, type in Donor C, D-O-N-O-R-S-E-E, download that app. You can search for me, Mark Claire. You can search for uh, Gret Glyer. You can be friends with people. That's a great thing about this and see what your friends are funding and to give you an idea of what kind of projects to jump into. But if you do find me on that app, search Mark Claire, find me, you'll see Esther's project uh, under my my personal stories there. So you can find it that way or through the link. There are many ways to get to it all, of course, posted in the Lions of Liberty forum as well. So as much as I like to promote Lions of Liberty stuff and promote the Lions of Liberty Pride, what I really want you to focus on this week is if you're even if you're deciding between between signing up for the Pride for five bucks or giving to Esther, you know what? Give the five bucks to Esther if that's the choice you have to make. You know, we do our podcast and we're trying to grow this thing, but there's there's other things that are more important out there. So if you're facing that decision, I'd honestly rather you give five bucks to Esther. I'd rather you give five bucks to both of us or a or hundred bucks to Esther and five bucks to us. But if you're going to prioritize, if you're tight on funds, if you only got a couple bucks, that's what's great about this thing. You can give a dollar. You know, if everybody listening to this gave a dollar, it's funded. It's funded and more in, in one instance. So don't hesitate to think you, you may, might not have enough money to chip in or you just, you're too spread thin. Even a dollar is actually huge. That's the, that's the wonderful thing about what Greg Glyer has set up here with Donor C. So that's why I really want you guys to focus on this week. Of course, if you're on the internet there looking at Donor C, might want to head over to iTunes, give us a five-star rating and a great review. We wouldn't be upset about that as well. But please... Take some time out to join the Walk the Walk group. Go to walkthewalkforfreedom.com. Check out this project and share it. Spread the message because this is one way I think we can really advance the ideas of liberty by showing people that libertarians can be charitable, by showing people that that libertarian solutions to a lot of these problems that people just assume government must tackle. Well, no, there are other ways. There are better ways to get people the help they need, and we can prove it. We've already proven it by buying a house for a woman in Malawi. We did that a few weeks ago when Gret was on the show. I'll link to that story as well. So there's really no limit to, to the good we can do in the world if we just come together and come together voluntarily. That's the, the wonderful thing about this. Guys, it's been a blast. Be sure to tune into all the other shows here at the Lions of Liberty podcast. On Wednesdays, of course, you got Brian McWilliams with Electric Liberty Land, your weekly look at comedy culture and liberty as well. And of course, this coming Friday, John Odermatt. He's just been killing it lately. If you guys didn't hear his interview with Officer Dominic Izzo, you've got to check that out, that interview from last week. Tune in for another great edition of Felony Friday this Friday. Until next time, folks, you know I've only got one more message for you, and that is live long and live free.